Hey guys, uh, Bader here. Welcome to our second Anim Dojo podcast. And with us here today, we've got Chloe Denev, one of our animators at Blue Zoo, and Tom Box, co-founder of Blue Zoo and Anim Dojo. Hi guys. Hi. So Chloe, could you just kind of just run us through your just background, you know, your experience, what you've been through? Mm-hmm. So um, I actually went to school at ESMA in the south of France, and in Montpellier. Um, I got my degree there, I think it was about three years ago now. Um, then I got my first job up in Paris at Micros, uh, working in their commercial department. Um, then I went down to Valence, uh, to Tinto, and just under two years ago I joined Blue Zoo here as a character animator. Cool. Uh, in our first podcast we spoke about festival etiquette, so if you haven't checked that out, please do see that, listen to it, absorb it. We are planning on making our, our sort of podcasts progress uh, in a logical fashion. So the, the first one was about the festivals, and then this is about showreels, and then mo- moving on to the next ones, which will be about applying, and then the one after about interviewing, and you know, kind of just to take you through step by step, so you know what to do. And um, yeah, this uh, episode is about do's and don'ts of showreels. So what to do, what to put, and we get advice from sort of uh, the horse's mouth straight away. We've got, we speak to Ardman, uh, The Mill, and Blue Zoo. Um, hi, I'm Leanne Lochran. I run the CGI recruitment here at Ardman, and I recruit for um, freelancers, full-time, and intern staff. Uh, my name is Jorge. I'm creative director at The Mill. I've been here for more than six and a half years. Uh, I've been for five years head of animation, uh, looking after the, the team, the animators. And in the last year and a half, I became a creative director at the mill here. Uh, hi, I'm Matt. I work at Blue Zoo Animation and I'm a director. So the first question we asked them were common mistakes people make when uh, editing animation shows, and here's what they thought on it. The most common mistake I see is um, basically packing out your reel with work that shouldn't be there in the want to meet the two, three minute time gap. Um, I would say to be brutal, be your worst critic, um, ask for advice from peers, colleagues, industry on their thoughts. I think people tend to become attached to work, that it's their, their babies and they, they want to put everything they've ever done in their reel. And yeah, I'd say that's with, with grads especially, that's the worst mistake. There's a few mistakes I see very often. One, one of them is uh, not really knowing what that artist uh, wants to do. Some, some reels that are supposed to be animation, I see a lot of things that are not animation or they just put a, a shot where actually the key thing there is a rendering and lighting or maybe a simulation. And it's, it's very often happened that it's quite confusing. You say, well, it is a really nice shot, but in terms of animation, I'm, I'm not sure if, if that shot is actually selling the talent. Uh, other mistake I see sometimes is, uh, especially young people, because they obviously doesn't have, they don't have a reel yet. So they just try to fill gaps all the time and put as much as they can and uh, and sometimes that is you know that doesn't work and it's actually a, a mistake uh, so I know someone who's junior doesn't have a lot of experience and I assume that the reel is not going to be too long or there's not going to be a lot of things but I just prefer a few things but that they prove that they understand the fundamentals of animation storytelling uh, layout so I think in that case uh, less is more yeah, the most common mistake I think I see is it's a really small thing um, but it's really overly long title cards with people's names and numbers and addresses. But also a lot of time, people put a lot of effort into these things, which no one cares about. If I want to see your name and address, everything I will find on your CV or on your link below. Don't put 15 seconds at the beginning of your show rule, show me your name. That's not what I want to see. Yeah, well, it's written just below, right? Exactly. <laughs> what do you think about if they've animated something in their title screen as well and it kind of... When, when I've seen that before, normally it's a last ditch effort and you can tell. I haven't spent lots of time doing that because obviously what they really want to do is their shots. So normally when people do this, nine times out of ten it's poor animation, it's the first thing you see. 
And the amount of times I see a show and I turn it off straight away just because I see a terrible title card that they've tried to do something cool with, but haven't. And I'm like, well, no, you've already told me you can't animate. Brutal. <laughs> Very brutal. But when we see the amount of showrooms that we do, if the first thing you see is a terrible piece of animation, the... You're not inclined to watch the rest of it? No. No. I mean, we, we do, but if the next shot doesn't put it out of the bag, then it's, it's, it's sorry, no, close down yeah. and uh, that's it. There we go. So quite similar themes yeah. across them. Yeah, I mean, it seems that, you know, they've all said sort of similar things in the sense that keep it simple and, you know, don't try to embellish in the areas that don't matter. How do, how do these things sort of sound in comparison to like when you first started out, Chloe? Like, do you find that these things ring true now more than before or was it that back then you weren't aware of these things or were you aware of them? I mean, how, how, how does what you just heard like uh, translate to you? I know that um, there was a mention of uh, you always want to tend to put all your shots in because you get attached to them and you're quite proud of them. But And it's, it's definitely easy to do because I recently put together my Miffy showreel um, and I had, I had about five minutes, <laughs> five minutes of shots. And the thing is, I, I grew really attached to all of them and it's such a nice show that I was, I find it, found it really hard then to pick the right ones. So anyway, I, I, I made the real five minutes, but then I made my flatmates watch it. And I said to them, which ones kept me more interested? And they told me the ones that they liked and they didn't like. So I, I managed to take more out then, but you do get attached. I think it's important to show people, not necessarily in the animation industry as well. I think it's also important to put in the shots that you enjoy doing as well, because I know some shots I'll start off well, and then by the end, I think I'll lose maybe interest in it. It won't be as exciting as another shot that I've worked on. So, and sometimes it can, you can see it in the yeah. animation in, in one of the things that you've done like a simple walk cycle might be a bit boring um, but then if it's a walk cycle where they're talking to each other the characters are interacting it might be a bit more interesting that makes it more fun um, so I think definitely pick the ones that you know you enjoyed animating on the music side of things I know I think um, I mentioned this later but a lot of people obsess over the music in Cheryl's and then the knock on effect that has is that it dictates the editing a lot of the time mm. and your shots sh should dictate the editing, not cutting to a beat of the music. So I think from that point of view, having, uh, Sherwood doesn't need music really for a start because uh, from my experience, speaking to recruiters, most recruiters don't listen to uh, Sherwood's music on anywhere unless they have to. Um, so I think it's, it's really just you should always be thinking about the purpose of the show rather than trying to dress it up and stuff that it might not need. Yeah, I always get really distracted by the music. And then I start thinking, oh, that person likes this kind of music. And then I'm not interested in what's happening in the show because I'm listening to the music. And then I'll be annoyed because the beat doesn't hit on the right spot. Uh, I don't, I don't well, think... that's because they're, they're now like editing. And it's like, if they're yeah. not good at editing, it's going to end yeah. up reflecting badly on the... On... There's, there's one more point I'd like to add to the music is that if you are adamant about putting music at least put something that's like not going to be a bit extreme so you know like something that's simple that doesn't detract that doesn't distract um, but again the advice from everyone so far is that you don't need it no but well, if you still want to you know you know don't go putting like you know an acdc yeah. track <laughs> against cartoon animation exactly yeah. <laughs> cool okay um moving on um the next question we asked is when applying to those specific studios, uh, what they felt they looked for, maybe that um, was unique or more suited to their studio. So let's hear what they had to say. With Ardman, especially, we, we tend to be uh, a, bit, a bit, bit different from um, other mainstream studios that were very particular about comedy. Um, I want to be entertained by reels. I want to look out for a reel that will stand out, somebody that might look at doing something, uh, general exercises, putting it together differently, putting their own spin on their reel. Um, it, it's more like an audition tape, really, at Ardman, because especially with animation, we're looking for 
for actors and performance and um, that can come across in a reel. We don't want generic in that. Because we mainly do commercials and music videos and uh, we, we're looking for people who um, obviously they're great animators, the, the standards are quite high and, and we demand, you know, like good skills. Uh, but uh, in terms of animation skills, uh, we need just to think uh, quite broad in a way because, as, you know, if, if it's, I see a reel that it's a lot of acting, it's great, and I think already acting is something very difficult. And if someone can animate in that way, very good. I would tend to think, okay, he or she are a good animators, and and that's fine. Uh, but we, we have to do a lot of camera movements, we have to do cars commercials, we have to do music videos. We, so there's so, so many things as well that, that we have to take in consideration. So for example, storytelling, layouts, animatics, previews, having ideas about how camera works. Um, <clears throat> people who like to do uh, blockouts and, and do kind of a previews, that's great as well because th that is uh, like in a stage where you, you have to put a lot of your own creativity and ideas and yes. most of the people when I interview animators they all want to bring their, their ideas and, and I think the, the layout um, stage is where you can put a lot of what you think. A, a lot of things are going to be removed but at least there's always something from what you've done there that's going to stay. Um, I think one of the things we look for is uh, ideas, um, seeing a, a reel or shot that shows that you've brought something to that, that, because we don't have a lot of time to give feedback on every shot to the precise level where we tell you exactly what we want, we expect animators to bring a certain amount of their flair and their ideas to shots so it's nice to see reels where you get that idea that you're oh i really like the ideas that are going on in here like for me personally uh i will take a brilliant idea that's animated maybe not quite so well over the most amazing piece of animation that hasn't really got any great ideas in it it's just well animated for me the idea is the most important thing there we go Mm, they're so different, those, those responses. Yeah, and I'm sure it'll be different again, because obviously we didn't speak to any um, more vfx -y studios. I know the mill does quite a bit of VFX, but also does a lot of uh, stylized animation. And I'm sure if you went to one of the big VFX houses, mm. they'd probably give you a different answer again. So I think that's one of the things a lot of people, uh, problems people encounter, is knowing how to, how to fix that and how to get around that everyone wants to see different things in a showroom. Well, I think for, from a, almost like a, a, recruiter's, a recruiter's side as a, a studio, um, you, you feel that you're inclined to want to engage with someone who researches your studio and knows your product and caters their work to your product. So you can automatically say, you know what, I know exactly where to put you, how, how we can work together. And, um, you know, there are students that engage with, with Blue Zoo and kind of are you know saying I want to get into Blue Zoo and you know how do I do that? So you know we, we tell them you know if if you have like more acting cartoony um, you know it's more about the ideas and you know that that's it's basically what they're saying is that you cannot have a one for all type showreel you know you mm -hmm. can't have a showreel that's going to impress a games company and a TV series company and a little boutique studio and a VFX house. I mean maybe but most likely not. So you need to target who you want to work for and, and cater your reel to that. And I, you know, they're people, they're approachable. You can email and ask, you know, what do you guys expect in a show reel? I don't think that hurts. Yeah, I think um, what Beta said, you know, it's important to know when you come out of school or even when you're applying for a job um, anywhere that you need to know exactly who you want to work for and what kind of animation you'd like to do. So the mill, they do a lot more commercial, more, much more realistic. And here we do more cartoons. Um, and NPC will do feature length. Uh, all three are really different types of animation. Ardman, again, that's stop motion. That's very, very different again. So I think you need to... It's easy when you're a student to come out of uni and you apply everywhere. Like, it's harder that way because it doesn't really work. You really need to specify who you want to work with and then you can tailor your reel to, to
to the specific studios or a specific number of studios and then ask them for feedback here beforehand. Say that you want to apply to Biruzu, um, I'm about to do my showreel, what kind of shots do you want to see? And then tailor it. Yeah, fill in those gaps yeah. with little mini projects. Mm. Just do one shot of something that you feel that you've been told that's missing mm-hmm. from your reel. Yeah. How did you uh, find it from your showreel from when you kind of graduated? Uh, well, my first job at Micros was actually in previs. Um, because I'd done the previs and animation on my student film, it was mostly that mm-hmm. um, that got me into Micros. Um, because in our last year at university, the whole year was spent around this one film. So we had no time to do anything else. We had, we had mattresses at school so that we could sleep there. Um, so we literally, between graduation, um, but, well, between finishing our films and showing our films to, to the panel, we had about a week. So we just took everything from our films the best bits edited all together and that was our showreels um, and I guess mine yeah. worked. Did the trick. Did the trick, <laughs> it was really great. So moving on from there, the next question we asked was when watching showreels, is there anything that makes you question people's competence or their professionalism? Are there any red flags that might you know, make you think oh, this person might not be the right person to employ? So let's hear what they had to say on that. Yeah, the little the red flag on this question would be um, good and bad animation choices on a reel. Uh, that would make me question their, their eye. Why have they chose to put uh, bad pieces with the good? Have they had more help on something, maybe from a senior or a lead? Um, the, the little red flags like that would go up. And, um, at the end of the day, you can't cheat because you will be in a studio and then you'll be asked to do these tasks. So. Um, any, any little uh, indicators like that would come up for me. Um, and professionalism in the studio would be um, no moaning or complaining. You'll draw unnecessary attention to yourself. Um, we we tend to like people that are just will fit in with the studio, get on with things, take things in their stride, um, quite laid back nature. <laughs> yeah. Mainly, I, especially when I'm looking for juniors, I do look for uh, animations where the fundamentals or the fundamentals of animation, the rules of animations are, are there. So it doesn't matter if I see it's a, it's a ball bouncing or whatever, or even doing something even more complex. I want to see all those fundamentals in, in, in that animation. So that that's makes me think okay this this person understands uh, physics how you know the, the body mechanics or anticipations uh, you know how much we can apply uh, you know the squash or stretch uh, you know the, all those things I, I think sometimes uh, young animators want to very quickly jump into doing something very complex yeah. and and I think once you manage to to work with all of those those rules and you can play with it easily, then you can make an amazing scene out of something very simple. The biggest thing is not being able to, you can see that they can't critique their own work. They'll have like a really good shot and then there'll be something terrible, then there'll be another good shot, then there'll be something terrible and you'll be like, why are you putting in these terrible shots? Um, you need to be able to critique your own work. Uh, which I know is something that's you know, very big at Blue Zoo and what you guys are doing. And I think it's, it's very, very obvious suddenly if you see a real padded out with those are rubbish, they're like, oh, they, 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 they can't tell that that's the good shot and that's the bad shot. And when you see a real that's got an amazing shot at the very end, you're like, why, why have you put that at the end? That's, that's your strongest shot. I would rather see a 30 second reel full of amazing work than a two minute reel that's just padded out. Um, within 30 seconds, I probably know whether or not you're going to get an interview. Um, Everything after that is just reinforcing or risking, you know, what I've seen. Because I guess you know uh, what it's like being a student and knowing you don't have a whole wealth of work to pick from. So you're not thinking, why is this person only got 30 seconds worth of work? That, you know. Yeah, I mean, I had, when I started off, I had the same sort of worries. I was like, all, all I've got is my own personal work, my student work, and I need to make this big, impressive rule. But you don't. All you need is something to convince me or whoever's hiring you that 
you can do something amazing. And I think the best reel I've ever seen was just about 20 seconds long. And it was just three shots using the same character, doing three different things. But those three things he did amazingly. And I was like, that guy can animate and he thinks outside the box. And it was just with three shots, the shortest reel, and that's all you need. So there we go. Quite similar answers there on, on the, the flags for um, that make, make people question uh, their professionalism to an extent. I guess everyone really focused on that, padding things out. Because I guess it's just easy to do when you're a new to the industry, you don't have a wealth of work. You feel like you have to pad out. But like Matt said there, it's, um, if, you, if that means you just have a 30 second show, that's, that's fine. Mm. It's all about the quantity, not quality. Not the opposite. The opposite, yeah. The quality. It's all about, yeah, don't, don't go for quantity over quality. <laughs> don't listen to my advice. <laughs> There's one thing I, um, they, I didn't hear them touch on, which uh, I've come across in my experience with some people, and that is be careful about putting offensive material on your showreel, because you don't know who's on the other side. Um, what might seem as uh, just you know being funny and you know taking it and, and just being humorous you know could potentially upset someone mm-hmm. um, you know so avoid dialogue that, that includes swear words or things that might be insulting to you know people of different uh, you know religion sexes races whatever just you know remember that you know to be PG 13 kind of and try to avoid going beyond that um, so just yeah just just keep that in mind um, cool, so I guess that leads into the uh, YouTube Vimeo debate. That's the thing a lot of people don't realise when they're new to industry, that yeah. there's this kind of like preference towards Vimeo yeah. and, uh, and, and as to why that is. And it's not something that's been ever discussed openly, I guess. So I yeah. guess I could be risking taking a lot of flack for saying this and kind of bringing it up in the open and you know, who knows what comments we're going to get after this. People saying, no, this and that. but. Unfortunately, like we've spoken to some some offline, not including the podcast. You know, this was way before the podcast, and they've all said the same thing. So I mean, um, you know, yeah, yeah. Let's, so let's let's have a listen. I agree. I think uh, more so when I'm looking for mid senior roles, if they've got a YouTube reel, I would question question that. Uh, for advice for grads, if you want to start off on the right foot, get a Vimeo account straight away and go down that way. I just think, you know, it looks a bit slicker, um, but I, I like both. Um, but yeah, I would just say maybe further down the line, I'd question some quality. I mean, I guess it doesn't feel very professional. Mm-hmm. And sometimes presentations are important because it's, you know, you have, you have to show. I guess for me as an experience, wouldn't bother me but it would tell me a little bit about the person is like how you know how aware how yeah how tidy is going to be at work in terms of you know presentations and stuff like that so obviously everything everything speaks for you so in I would not charge the animation whether it's in YouTube or Vimeo but I would probably make a different impression in terms of you know, you, you want someone who is going to try to do the best work and suddenly you, you, you realize or you think if that person is going to give the best based on the actions that he's doing. And if you think that there's some, some platform that is, is more appropriate for that and it's is better because of resolution, because of experience, because and that person is not doing it, it would make me question it's like why he's not doing it. I, I mean, I wouldn't have a bad impact about the animation, but I would question why, why it's, maybe it's lacking a, a bit of a professionalism. It is quite strange. Uh, I, this is, again, this is, this is biased, but I do think, uh, chances are I think it's going to be a bad reel. Um, the amount of bad reels versus good reels that come through YouTube, I don't know why, it just seems to be the platform that the industry uses. Yeah, um, use, use Vimeo. I don't know why. If I get a link through Vimeo, chances are it's going to be a more professional role. I don't know why. That's just, yeah. Just the way it is. Just the way it is. So, yeah, I mean, again, you know, might get a lot of flack for saying this. YouTube is a brilliant platform for, you know, 
different uses, but you know, it's just become sort of industry standard, industry expectation that when you apply for a job, your your showreel is on something like Vimeo, um, and nothing's wrong with YouTube as a platform. It just it just kind of gives out the signal that maybe you're not aware of that, and if you're not aware of that, then have you put in enough effort so far in your studies in your learning or maybe you haven't been told and you know that's why we're doing this i think it's also the fact that all these little signals can add up to bigger things and when you look at if you look when you open a cv and you think oh it's on youtube this isn't going to be good is it? <laughs> it's, that's a that's an awful way to start off yeah. a relationship and you don't want that so it's it's such a small thing to do to move it on Vimeo and like like Matt said it's just that one of those kind of unconscious biases that can that can impact those first impressions yeah I think it's also YouTube is more the the kind of uh, website you're going to go to to watch um, and like to to be entertained like in I know I like to watch music videos sometimes and I like to watch um, DIY videos on stuff so it's more of a or listen to a podcast or listen <laughs> listen to a podcast um, and I tend to go to Vimeo when I'm looking to other animators reels I think yeah YouTube is more of a like an entertainment kind of I want to relax a bit kind of thing and it's a bit messy as well I don't know yeah. I find it quite messy YouTube yeah. Um, yeah, I always find it extremely bizarre when you're watching someone's show reel and adverts pop up yeah. It's really unpleasant to kind of like think, oh man, why is this person trying to monetize their show? That's not a good sign. <laughs> so moving on from there, we asked uh, the people we chatted to about, do any shows jump out to you as ones that have stood out? Because everyone has to watch a lot of showreels when you're going through job applications and they can become very samey. So we asked, what showreels come to mind that have jumped out that people can kind of uh, learn from? Uh, yeah, actually, I do, and it was from last year's intern, so I thought it would be quite relevant to bring up. And this guy was just a second year, usually we take third or fourth year interns, and he saw, he put his animation reel together as his own brand, and he top and tailed it with a great intro, really entertaining outro, he kept up a really fast beat throughout. He almost saw his showreel as a project. Um, he took walk cycle, you know, put his own spin on walk cycles, on exercises. He kept me entertained, and the fact it came from an intern just shows you that, you know, he stood out for all the right reasons, and he got an internship, and yeah, it, it was fantastic. When when I see stories in those showreels, when that little sh- um, shot. Um, when I when I see all the fundamentals, stories, and polish, then I think, well, yeah, those definitely stand out. Uh, so I I remember like you know working and uh, with people that we we chose from reels that they were not render, they were not they were just exercises, and 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 yes, it's like when I see something and it feels right and feels natural and I feel yeah. I, I could believe this, mm. uh, or if it's something funny makes me laugh, then I think that's th- those stands and for me at least. Seeing something different, seeing the amount of shows we do see where it's just got the same old dialogue shots in it, which are great, but you want to see something that is going to jump out and make you think, oh, they're going to bring something new. They're going to be someone who you can give a shot to and be like, take that, run with it, and you know. You, what you're going to get back is going to be something maybe you weren't expecting, but it'll be exciting. Um, that's what I look for in a reel. So a bit of a variety with creativity. Yeah, I mean, that's something else as well. It's the amount of times you'll see a reel full of just character acting shots, and they can be really well acted, and you've got, oh, this person's a great character animator. But working at Blue Zoo, you need to be able to show that you can do other things as well. Like, we need to know that you can do some physical acting, um, and the same way as if all you've got is body dynamic animation, you, we need to know you can do some character acting, so we do need variety on the reels as well because we tackle everything and we don't just take animators to do one role. We expect every animator to be able to do everything. So I guess they're all, all the replies are really just something that stands out, which is quite an obvious thing to say, but at the same time it's very, it's very hard to come up with something very different, yeah. especially if you just 
come from a school where you've been given similar briefs uh, and exercises? Well, that's, that's one of the things that, you know, because the way that we run Anand Dojo is we try to give practical answers to these kinds of difficult questions. So we always want to give like a, at least one thing that they can do that they can apply straight away. And the thing I, I, I tell my students is, you should bring animation that it comes from within, like something that if you, I, I always use this example, so if you're, if you're a skateboarder, why don't you do animation that, that shows body mechanics based on skateboarding? Because you understand how skateboarding works. Similarly, if you're someone who is into dance or a specific sport, that's something that can come through. You don't have to do the standard similar you know, bouncing ball, walk cycle, dog, horse. I keep, I keep repeating that. And these are the things we keep seeing time and time again. And even if you're being given something specific from your, you know, your course, you can still twist it to sort of identify more who you are as an animator and kind of make it, uh, you know, reflect your interests. And just to kind of put this in context, my first showreel had, and it sounds ridiculous now when I say it, but it had a ninja because I was into ninjas. It had two guys fighting because I was into martial arts. And then it had a long bit of stand-up comedy because I like stand-up comedy. But that's what got me the job. It was different. Not that it was an amazing showreel, but it, I kind of put my own uh, stamp on it. And I think that's one way you can tackle this, where you can sort of just be honest with yourself and say, what could you bring to the table that makes it you know, a bit more authentic, I guess. Um, for me, the two things that stand out were what Beta just said about um, animating something you're passionate about. Um, and also what Leanne said is make your showreel like another project, as in you want to you want to sit down, you want to build it according to what studio you want to go to. You want to reach out to the studio, ask them what they want to see, and then according to what they want to see, then you build that into what your own interests are. And I think that the combination of all those things will make you the perfect candidate because you're showing you know, what you're passionate about, so you're obviously going to like what you're doing because you do it outside in real life. And then, yeah, have it as a project, and I think it will shine then. Yeah. yeah. I think if you can, the caveat with that is if you can dedicate enough time to it. Yes. It's like Matt said, that sometimes you see showreels with the first few seconds is a, is a newly animated opening title, which someone's thought, oh, I need something, I'll put something together in a day, which is kind of completely, as that first impression goes, has ruined their showreel because they've rushed. So I think if you, it's a great idea to, to, to really go to town with uh, making the show something really well thought about and beautifully crafted, but you've got to do it very well because that's, if you rush it, people will think you might not just be good. And I guess that the, the, the whole rushing thing kind of uh, goes into uh, another topic, which is how to communicate well on show reels. Because I think some people have mentioned before where they've, they've t taken things out of show reels because they only did them in a day. And even though it might be a really good, to, for, for a piece of work done in a day, that might be a brilliant bit of work. And the, and the animator's gone, oh yeah, no, but people don't know it was done in a day. So why didn't you just write it on the screen and said this, this was like a bit of speed animation done in a day. Then as an employer who works on very tight timescales as all kind of TV animation and commercials are, that, then that really works. You know, wow, that person did that amount of animation in a day. I mean, it needs work, but so I I've think seen, a lot of it is down to communication. Yeah, I've seen showreels that had that where there would be like it would write under underneath like personal personal work, and I would assume that that means they worked after hours for like maybe a week or two, three weeks, and then there'd be something that would like show like some of their TV work, and it would say like six seven, six seconds a day or eight seconds a day. Like it would just kind of indicate at least the, um, the what, what sort of environment they were in when they were you don't have to like give specifics like this took two days or two hours yeah. it's just about kind of just giving more information about where this came from and the same for what you did on the and what you did there's nothing well. worse than seeing a few bits of work the same bits of work with different people's showreels and they haven't said yeah. what they did in it because then you just assume well someone's lying so <laughs> I, I'll just have to just go with someone else instead because I've got the time to actually go in to find out which person was there. Uh, <laughs> oh, you're saying you've seen two different reels with the same shots in? Yeah. Oh, wow. But okay. just, they would have been just group projects but mm. because they didn't say what they did. Yeah, okay. You've no idea what they did so yeah. you kind of have to ignore that bit. So, because mm. uh, you haven't got the time to then go back to that person going, you know, you, you haven't, what did you do on this shot? 
Mm. So it's like all those little small things that are very easy to fix yeah. are good to address. Yeah. Yeah. So both, so both Jorge and Matt both said about the the comedy mm. side of it, um, and I guess that's that's very important because I think I guess a lot of studios really look for animators to bring something to the shop. You're not you're not an operator with mm. an animator. You're not just given saying here's this recreate it here. You're you're asked to actually make a story out of that shot. So I guess it's very important to show that because a cycle doesn't really show much in terms of an animator because you can you can like just copy the mm. cycle as it's it's a. You know, I mean the steps are also really well documented. It's like you know you know contact you know passing up down contact. It's like it's never that creative it just shows that you can not to not to put it down but just to say that you know it doesn't in today's world you know maybe like 10 years ago that's all you needed for a showreel but you know the, the level has constantly been going up and up so it's kind of like you need to like always be one step ahead of the game and then um i know that when i came out of school i kind of struggled with original ideas and i know that i can animate and but the professional, being in the professional industry and um, having a job, I think I've learned a lot more as I've gone on as well. So I'm now I'm having a lot more ideas than I used to when I was at school. There were lots of people that did have original ideas, but I, I didn't. Um, so what I had to do was I did, I basically did, I think about eight different walk cycles on in my own time while I was applying. Um, just to try really get out the basics and then try and push them and do, give different moods with different body weights with different figures. Um, so I don't think that, that people, if they're afraid that they don't have the ideas, that they're not going to have the ideas, they shouldn't be too afraid because you, it's also when you're in the industry that you'll get those ideas as well. You'll feed off other people. I think that's a, a big part is collaboration as well. That's where you feed off. I um, Yeah. You no, I mean, you're right. ideas I mean, of each other. I mean, like, based on what we've been hearing, um, it, there is this fear from, like, the student or the applicant that the expectation, if they're, like, if you're applying for a junior role, that the expectation should be that your work is going to be on par with someone who's been in the industry for five years and that you're, you're worried that, you know, that they're not going to be able to see past you know the recruiters they know what they're looking for like the, when they look at your reel they can see it and they can say for a junior this is what I'm looking for you know they're not gonna judge what they look at in a junior's reel to say what they would look for in a senior's reel just as they described so when it comes to the ideas when it comes to being able to like come up with like you know like like Jorge said like it's, it's all about the fundamentals if you've got the fundamentals down and you can show that that's at least your step in the, in the, in the door mm-hmm I think going back to what you said again, if you don't have those ideas, then uh, animate something you know, yeah, something you're passionate about, because that will work. That will get, always work. Get inspiration from your own life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or do like yeah, or an eleven-second club style yeah. animation. Yeah. And or uh, or join an anime dojo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Join our live sessions. Cool. One of the questions that comes up a lot is the generalist versus the specialist. So I really wanted to kind of discuss that. So we put that question to the studios we talked to. So here's what they said. Uh, I like to see a mix of, so given that I, I generally recruit for commercials departments, so we do a range of different styles. It can vary from mimicking stop motion through to um, more real animation and then character humor. So I like to be able to see a variety um, what could happen is if you've got a lot of the same thing on your reel, you'll get pigeonholed. Um, and the way that, that we work, everything will go through maybe like a producer and a director, and they're less likely to take a chance on somebody who cannot show variety. Um, you might be needed to jump on different different tasks as well. So I would say, you know, if you can, especially as grads and they've got the ability and the luxury of time to add as many and have a go and have an experiment many different styles um, but if you're very good at one thing and you're happy with that and you want to be pigeonholed and you know go for that but do it well do both things well 
But our experience, at least here, is normally animators, they like to do animation. And it's very unlikely that an animator would like to do lighting and rendering, at least at the same level. You know? So uh, if, if someone, maybe in other fields, maybe it does make sense, like if you were, you know, maybe being a generalist, so you got a little good at everything, you could have maybe you could be better at something else like or rendering or lighting or or Houdini or whatever. But uh, I think in animation, yeah, normally we we have animators and they do animation. And if, so, I would say in animation, if you want to be an animator, I think it's a skill that needs a lot of practice. Mm. So you need to decide where to invest the time. I'm sure that there's a lot of animators that they like to do other things, so that's great. But you have to always be a little bit, you have to understand what you want to do and where you're going to apply for a job as well. Do you think it's possible for an animator to be able to animate cartoony, VFX realistic, and maybe also like stylized stop motion? I mean, like, is it possible yeah. for an animator to, to have that range or is that spreading themselves as well? Uh, I think it, it is possible. I mean, I had to do in my career, I did everything. And I kind of enjoyed everything. But obviously, I, some people, they know that they don't like creatures, for example. Mm. They like cartooning. And I think they could do creatures, it's just they don't want to do it. But at the, at the end of the day, you apply the same... It's the same principles. The same principles. So um, I do think... It's, it's as well depend where you're gonna apply for a job. Like you know, if if you're in London and you want to work in the film industry, it's very likely you're gonna have to do VFX jobs. So it's you, you know, I guess probably if you have a lot of uh, acting and and Pixar style, it's great. But uh, you know, I'm sure if you can do that, you could do other uh, you know creatures as well. So, uh, but. You know, maybe sometimes you, you have to as well to mold your, your reel and your work depending on, on what, what are your, your choices, where you live. I, I personally prefer to see a mixture of skills within the animation discipline rather than seeing someone who can animate and light and comp and touch on everything else. Um, if you see a reel and they, they really focus onto one specific type of animation, like they love doing really serious uh, animation or they like doing really, really comedy animation or someone just... All, you, all they've got is uh, physical violence on the reel. It kind of makes you think, oh, that's what they really enjoy doing and it might not be suitable for what we want to do. Because um, the other issue, while well, working with our quick turnarounds and yeah. working in children's TV, a lot of the work we do, um, if it's clear by looking at reel that you, all you really want to do is like games animation, or all you want to do is like really, really high-end VFX fighting scenes, chances are you're not necessarily going to enjoy the work that you're going to get. So we like to see people that pack all those different things and enjoy the animation as a whole. There we go. Do you have any thoughts on that? I found it really interesting that when we asked the question that um, this is something sort of that's becoming a bit more common now to expect an animator to be able to animate in different styles. So. Uh, and Jorge kind of put it in a nice way by saying that it's not that you can't do it, it's probably that you don't want to, you know, if you're a good animator, because the fundamentals are pretty much the same. It was, I was expecting people to, to think whether we were talking about generalist work versus focusing on one specific discipline, but now it's almost like each discipline has its own styles. So, you know, you've got the stop motion look, you know, look uh, like the, the Lego movies, for example, and then you've got stuff like, uh, you know, the standard sort of CG, um, and you've got more realistic and squashy and stretch and then squashy and stretch stylized so it's like um, I guess the more variety you can show uh, definitely helps yeah I mean I guess Chloe what was your experience when graduating because you spent a year was it a year doing your, your final project yeah and within that did you focus on one discipline or did you you touch on many no because we were there were five of us um, we had to split everything into five so I think my, my roles were, God, it wasn't very long ago, but I can't remember everything. Um, layout, I did storyboarding, I did layout, animation, I did comping, I didn't do lighting. And I also, I was the one that had to, I was the schedule person, so I was the one telling people when they needed to have this done by. Um, but I think from the beginning, my interest was more in animation. 
So in, when you made your show, did you focus on that aspect of it, or did you touch on? No, when I made my show, I, I, I did one previs and I did one animation. I didn't do the rest because the other things, though I enjoyed it much more than I thought I would, um, that wasn't my interest from the beginning. I think that's very important to remember when making a show. It's the same for when we do a company show. You focus your show on where you want to go, not where you've been. Yeah. So really think of what job you want and then compare every single shot in your show, whether does that help you get to that dream job you really want. I feel personally that you should try and specify in one thing because that's what you're going to build on in the future. I think it's harder to get better at so many different things. It's much harder. Yeah, yeah I think definitely like um, if, you're, if you're like in in one phase of your career. I like to think of it that way instead. So, you know, like I've been in TV for like the past 12 years, um, probably going into my 13th year now. So I don't have anything in my work or my background that shows that I could do VFX or that I can do features. I know that if I put the effort, I probably could be able to like prove that. And this is how I think about it is that the fundamentals are similar, but then, you know, you can still you need to still be able to prove that. You still need to create a reel that reflects that. And, you know, if you are from the beginning trying to do all of them, you'll probably, like, get lost. So it's probably, like, good to, like, maybe stick with at least something in the beginning, the most passionate thing that you have. And then, you know, there's no harm in jumping between different sectors. You know, people who come from games who then move into TV and then they go into features and then go back into games. And um, it, it, it's, uh, it's really dependent on what you want to do with your career. And I think equally across disciplines as well. I mean, there's no such thing as like a job for life anymore yeah. where some people switch careers a few times in their lifetime. I think that's something that, especially these days where there's a lot of anxiety to, to do very well career-wise very, very quickly. And I think that has a knock-on effect of wanting to focus, getting stressed about picking that one career for the rest of your life. Where I think it's, it's good to kind of step back and think it's it's okay if you pick the wrong career choice yeah. because a lot of people move sideways inside companies and outside when deciding no actually i i thought i'd like animation but it's not for me i'm going to concentrate on something more technical instead or something like that so i think it's it's really good to bear in mind a lot of people do switch careers so don't stress exactly. if you're not enjoying the, the and the more you know the better you'll be at the next phase you know like I did storyboarding for a while here at Blue Zoo and it helped having my background in animation that I was able to tell exactly how long scenes needed to be, how to, to the cameras and to put things and it just was just, it made it, made it easier. Had I not had that background, it would have been even difficult for me. And you know, uh, similarly for all different professions, if you come from games, you know, you all of a sudden feel like you've got really good body mechanics and you can now focus on just acting and you know, it, it's all different from one, from one sector to the next, but you know, these fundamentals are fun, they're, they're exactly the same. Yeah, I read something recently saying that you don't necessarily climb the career ladder anymore. It's more like a jungle gym, so you can jump to a different ladder, different parts. So you mm. means you can vary, you can stretch. You don't have to go down one specific path. Yeah, that's like really old school. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think also it's good to bear in mind everyone's different. Some people like switching jobs mm -hmm. uh, regularly. In, in not just a career sense, but on a daily basis. So they may be suited to work more in commercials where you're constantly jumping between different projects. Some people hate that and they just want to focus on one thing for months at a time. So I think it comes down to each person says no right answer in terms of if you should have more of a varied range of skills or just more of a, 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 a narrow niche, you're gonna become a lot better, obviously, if you're doing a niche because you're spending one time perfecting that one skill where if you do a generalist, more generalist based skills, you, you do risk becoming a, a master of none if you try and spread yourself too thinly. So I think I always try and say, uh, if you want to go a generalist route, be good at one thing and say, I'm an excellent lighter, but I've also got experience in modeling and texturing and a bit of rigging. Mm -hmm. So I think then you're kind of spread betting. If you see a generalist position pop up, you can apply for that equally if you then see a uh, lighting position pop up, you can say, actually, I'm, I'm a lighter, but I can also do other bits, so if you need help anywhere else. So I think it's uh, a mixture of who you are and where you're applying to. 
Mm. And I think in tu- you have to I think you have to know yourself as well. So um, whether you're a lighter or an animator, if you if you know whether you want to go into commercial television or film, it kind of come down comes down to your personality. So me for example, I love everything being fast paced. I can't sit and do yoga because it, it's too calm for me. <laughs> so I'm a, I'm a cyclist and a runner. I like to get things going. Um, so television and commercial for me is really good because I like fast paced. And I like to get things done quickly. I like to think quickly and I get impatient when I have to sit down and, and relax and really think about something. Yeah, no, I, I, I think I'm pretty much similarly in the same boat. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a preference thing. Mm. And, you know, that's where you need to be you know, aware of that and kind of just cater your skill sets towards that. So I think the only, the only right answer is what you enjoy doing. Yeah. Exactly. So we asked the people making their first or second showreel, what advice would you give those people? So to touch upon what, what we said first was don't put everything you've ever done on that reel. Um, be brutal. A good, a good line I always give in, um, in talks to do is you're only as good as the worst thing on your reel. So keep that in mind. You don't want to be remembered for, for the bad thing on there when you've maybe got a minute of awesome, but you've, you've made a bad decision, you've put 20 seconds something bad on there that's what you know you'll stand out for um try and put a breakdown on there if you can if it's if it's not obvious what you've done in a shot um it could be you could have animated the character in the background don't don't keep somebody guessing um if it's relevant add software on that um and soundtrack this is a question i always get asked of how important is it and feel that um, you know, people can get very attached to thinking it's an important decision about the song or soundtrack they put on there, when really it could do the opposite effect. You could drown out some lip sync, you could undo all the hard work you've done on that, for example. Um, if I'm honest, sort of, I'll only put my headphones on if I can hear there is going to be some lip sync on there, so don't worry too much about soundtrack. Um, I mentioned before, don't try and polish bad acting or animating with effects. Um, And most importantly, on your intro and outro, have who you are, your contact details, your email address, for longer than a two second flash. (laughs) Because, you know, going back to bad reels, you know, that can happen. It's like you need photographic memory quickly. Who are you? What have you been on? So um, just just common sense, really, and, and like I said, enjoy it. it. See it as its own project in itself. You know, less is more. So just think, ask yourself why you're putting that that shot or that animation. If it's just because I don't have nothing else, then no. Then wait. Do something that you really like, that you think is good, that it will reflect your talent and your skills. And then you put in your reel. Um, you don't have to do. So, you don't have to tell a story. Like you don't have to do a long story. It's just if you do just one shot that takes three, five seconds, and you just work that out very well, and that maybe is even an, enough. And you can just put all other little things. Um, but yeah, it's all, always think about quality rather than quantity. A lot of people think that there's only one chance in their life to send one reel to one place. And the truth is, it's not like that because we're getting a lot of interesting reels, but that doesn't mean, and we don't call them back because maybe we're not looking for animators or we're looking for a different style at the, at the moment, but, uh, but it's not because the reel is not good. It's just so, so people have to, uh, you know, try and, and be brave and, and send, as long as they, they, they think and they believe that whatever they're showing reflect their talent, uh, they should do it and, 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 and not make them, anything should, should stop them to do that. And then, and if it's not that good, well, you know, people uh, evolve in, in, the, in their careers and they get better and better and better, and, and especially when you start in your career. So uh, I, I've seen reels that, change in six months and a year time they change a lot and you know sometimes you think well I think it's not it's not there yet but that doesn't mean that in the future it will be and when I see the same person's real one year later that has 
improve so much, I would have no doubt in, in contact with him or her because it's, you know, it shows me that that person actually is learning and is, is getting better. So that, for me, is a good, it's a good sign. Uh, my advice would be keep it short. Um, don't pad it out. Don't put a title card on. And if you do, just keep it really short. Um, the, the, I know sound comes up as a big question. Do I put a soundtrack on it or not? Um, I personally wouldn't bother. I'm, I'm not looking to see what kind of music you like. Um, I think the biggest piece of advice is just do something different. There are so many reels out there that the first thing we want to see should jump out and show us that you can think outside the box and do something different. Um, and that if you're going to work here, that you're going to add to what other animators are doing. Mm. I, I think the only comment I would like to add to say is the um, uh, the whole title cards thing. So we've got like two very you know differing opinions. But I guess it's, it's, it's about common sense, really. I mean, Leanne doesn't like it when it's a quick thing because you don't get the chance to see the information, whereas Matt has a dislike for the overly elaborate, time-wasting sort of... It's almost padding out the showreel and kind of making it seem more than what it is by embellishing the title card, you know. Keep it on there for just like a good three, four seconds, and that's it. It doesn't... And the first bit, the first title card, can be short, whereas the ending title card, keep that a bit longer because at least if they wanted to pause it, they have a chance to pause it and write down your details. Yeah. I think the things that I take from that, if I were to make a list, I would say target your studios and then according to that, obviously put in your title card, animate what you know, especially if you're starting out, animate your passions. Make sure there's some variety in there. And I would say keep the length down maybe to like one minute, 30 max. And yeah, that's it. I think those are the... Yeah, that does good, good points to take away from this. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think also to that, I think one of the, like you mentioned earlier, just getting people to look at your reel. Because mm-hmm. I think you, as always with animation, you can get so close to it when you've been, when you've been editing it and worked on the shots for so long, you basically lose the ability to... You've been watching it for too long. Yeah, too so you need to, to step it. back and you're too close to it. So I think get your friends. And I think... Um, Not your parents. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think as, as Jorge said, that watch people's reactions because even though your friends represent, oh yeah, it's a brilliant show, mm. their reactions might tell a different story, especially seeing what bits they really liked that they may kind of forget by the time they've, they've finished watching it. So I think it's always good to uh, just to look at people when they're watching it, but don't tell them that. So. Yeah, I normally <laughs> st- stand by the screen and watch the people watching it to see when their eyes will drift or when they'll well, start fiddling with their t-shirt or their fingers <laughs> yeah. or something. And they'll, oh, that bit. <laughs> so I guess apart from the contents of your show, a big part of what everyone said is the kind of like presentation around that and the attention to detail and I think it's really important just to just to check that stuff I know Beda you had an experience with your first yeah. one of your first job interviews yeah I mean I had a, I had uh, I, I had like I think about two years or three years experience at that point and um, I was applying you know it was before the Vimeo days so I had well it was before Vimeo was popular maybe in that sense and I had uh, my own personal website and I, I, I that's why I actually put my own video file so it wasn't even hosted somewhere else it was like I uploaded it to the website and I got the interview um, and when I went to, the, to to you know meet with them I don't know why but for some weird reason my website uh, domain expired and um, I sat down on the interview and they keep you know checking what's wrong and, and I was like I, uh, I don't know and then they're like okay um, do you have a, like a DVD CD copy I was like no and then oh okay um, well what about uh, okay I guess that's thanks for coming because the you know they had seen it and you know they like to go through it during the interview um, most likely they could have been a bit more forgiving but if I was in the same place I would also have done the same because. It just shows a lack of attention to detail, and you know it was a hard lesson to learn. But you know these are the things you know, like you will get lots of rejections, you will get lots of situations where doors are closing in front of you. But you learn from them, 
and you know don't let that as Jorge said you know just because you applied once doesn't mean that you can't apply again I mean don't apply like the second week you give yourself time to improve have something new exactly have something new and um, you know don't let it deter you it's 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 uh, it's a learning process yeah so I think that's a good good summary of all the advice we've heard uh, today and I think yeah as I said there's there's been a lot of common themes there I think that's they're common for a, a good reason so so there we go that's uh, our advice on making animation showreels um, I hope you've enjoyed it and found some good takeaways and uh, will hopefully get yourself a job uh, or make it easy getting yourself a job uh, by implementing those into your showreels uh, we'd also love to hear what you think as well so if you uh, have got questions or thoughts on any of that advice if you think it's right or wrong or got further questions then please do comment on our um, YouTube version of this video if you're watching on YouTube or if you're watching it on a different platform then head over to our YouTube channel yeah. and post away and we'll uh, answer questions there and uh, yeah subscribe to our channel as well because we uh, we like to put stuff up there that's free for, for you guys to take a look at whether it's the podcast vlogs or you know whatever content that we end up doing again in the future and um, yeah um, check out Anim Dojo if you have any questions you guys can just get in touch and um, yeah we're looking forward to the third podcast and hopefully uh, that would uh, then bridge the gap between what to do with your showreel and applying with your showreel and what, what kind of things to do there so thanks for listening and uh, thanks to uh, Leanne from Ardman, Jorge from The Mill and Matt from Blue Zoo and Chloe for joining us to discuss everything here today. Uh, so that's it. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, happy animating. Bye guys. Cheers guys. Bye.